Well, good morning. It's so good to be back home, and I'm just thrilled uh, to, uh, to see everyone today and uh, look forward to chatting with several of you after services. It was a blessing to be uh, in the first service this morning, and, you know, it's always good to be home. Uh, we travel around the world, and this past week uh, we've been traveling in ministry of different churches, but there's nothing like home, and uh, I'm just so thankful to be home. And uh, one of the wonderful things about uh, watching our church family grow is that there's so many uh, new families that come to our church. And uh, the last several weeks, I've been watching the, uh, the services and the announcements, and, and uh, I mentioned Pastor Steve. I said, Pastor Steve, I said, I'm kind of excited because um, I see all the new people like in the praise and worship and, and, and the cameras that goes out on our congregation. It's like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's kind of a good thing because that means that our church is growing and we're reaching our community for Christ. And so um, Ron and I would love to meet you. Uh, if you're new to our church family, we want to know our family. Uh, we love you. We pray for you. Uh, uh, we watch when we're able to watch online the services and uh, uh, see the announcements. We get to see sometimes of your testimonies. And so uh, please come and introduce yourselves to us and we'll do our best to remember. We're uh, try to take notes afterward of all the people I remember and met. And so if I have to ask you your name two or three times, it's not because, well, that missionary up there, he's, <laughs> no, I, I really do uh, want to meet our church family, and, and we love you, and we pray for you, and thank you so much for your encouragement to us. My wife and I are serving right now in Ecuador, South America. Uh, we, we served for 23 years in Paraguay, and uh, this year we celebrate 11 years in Ecuador, and uh, it was at a missions conference at, at our church uh, over 50 years ago when I was a little boy that I come walking down this aisle, down to the altar, and uh, I said, dear Lord Jesus, uh, if you allow me to be a missionary and I become adult, I, I would love to do that for the rest of my life. And, and the Lord has uh, blessed that, and we've had the privilege of serving uh, Jesus on the mission field around the world globally uh, for many, many years. And, and I'm excited to see uh, the young people in our church, uh, the boys and girls and the teens, and uh, we'll see several of them in their activities this week because... Uh, it'll be exciting. Uh, if Jesus tarries his coming, we believe in any moment he's going to come, but if he would tarry his coming, that long when we're long and gone away from this world in heaven with Jesus, that the next generation from our church will continue to serve Jesus in our community and, and around the world. And uh, just so thankful to be part of the history of that. But our history doesn't end today. The greatest days of Central Baptist Church are before us, and I'm just so thankful for that, thankful for Pastor Steve and his family, and uh, let's pray for our church that will continue to reach out, not only our community, but around the world, and so uh, I just thank you uh, for your prayers for us. We have some new picture prayer cards uh, here, and uh, since I was with you last year, I was here for a few days last year, a brand new picture card uh, of our family on the different tables. Well, I'm half the man I used to be. I've lost a lot of weight <laughs> through some health issues uh, uh, here, but uh, you can take the picture here and uh, uh, my beautiful wife and uh, make sure you get a chance to meet Rhonda here. And uh, we're always honored when our family prays for us. And, and uh, thank you so much for that. And so uh, we look forward to talking with you afterwards. 20 years ago this year, uh, I was um, 
preaching at a church in Richmond, right outside Richmond, and I got a phone call uh, between Sunday school and church that uh, that morning uh, my dad had a massive heart attack and they rushed him to Portsmouth Naval Hospital. Well, I finished up the morning service that day. We drove down here, went to the Naval Hospital there. And you know, when you receive those phone calls, just so many things go through your mind. The emotions that take place and you know, the tears that start to well up in your eyes. And, and you think about your loved one, are they gonna live or are they gonna make it or are they not? Drove to the hospital, spoke to the doctors there. I had to preach in Virginia Beach that night, went, to, went and had my service and came back and spent a large part of the night there in the hospital and uh, just wondering, is he going to make it? They transferred him over to Norfolk General Hospital. Uh, they scheduled surgery, had uh, bypass surgery. And, and I remember sitting in the waiting room all alone Thoughts going through your mind. Um, is dad going to make it? And in those moments, um, you begin to wonder and, and reminisce about that. They transferred him to a, a rehabilitation center. I went and saw him and uh, was wondering, is, is this the last time that I will see him alive? I kissed him there. <sighs> Left. Went back to Paraguay, and mom called me a few weeks later, early in the morning, and said, hey, Dad just went to heaven. Got a flight back and tried to be here for part of that. You've been there. Maybe it's Sturdivant at Funeral Home, uh, Portsmouth Hill Hospital, Obese, Norfolk General, Maryview. And you wonder... Is your family going to live or die? You begin to remember thoughts about uh, your family. Maybe you had a, a, a Christmas activity. You went up to Bush Gardens and saw the Christmas lights. Or uh, uh, those of us who remember Coleman's Nursery, uh, now over at Norfolk Feed and Seed, uh, just the Christmas displays. And, and you remember the family activities, maybe going to the Tides ball game there at, at Harbor Park. And, and you remember your family, but there you are in the loneliness of a hospital room. You're there at Sturdivant Funeral Home or another funeral home. And the weight, the heaviness on your heart, the burden of your heart. Because death is about ready to take place. You have to make those hard decisions. The doctor comes to you and explains the situation. And then you have to make those decisions. It's never easy. That's where we find our passage today. Pastor's been preaching in the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 14. Uh, we'll start our scripture reading in verse 27. But last week, Pastor uh, taught about the upper room where Jesus was with his disciples for the Last Supper. And, and um, they were all excited because uh, he had come into Jerusalem a few days before during Passover week. And uh, they thought, well, Jesus is going to uh, liberate us from the Roman Empire and the Roman oppression. And part of that uh, is because a hundred years prior to that, when, when the Greeks were uh, um, ruling over uh, Israel, they oppressed the, uh, the nation of Israel that they offered um, uh, pigs on the altar there and desecrated the temple and, and the revolt of the Maccabeans. And, and then when they finally uh, overcame the Greeks, 
the leader of the Maccabean clan came into Jerusalem on a white horse, symbol of victory, and they were throwing down palms to him because they had liberated them from the Greek oppression. And that is what took place when Jesus came. They thought that he was going to overthrow the Roman government and they're going to be their liberator. And they're crying, Hosanna, son of David. And there, and the last few weeks, Pastor, uh, Pastor Steve has been teaching about and preaching about the events in Mark 13 and 14. Last week, there in the upper room, sitting around his disciples, and they're all thinking in any moment Jesus is going to establish his kingdom here, and they're all going to be part of his cabinet, uh, uh, his presidential cabinet there. But he talks about with the cup there, this is my blood that's going to be shed, and the bread, this is my body that's going to be broken, and they're not really sure, really, everything that's happening there. And then uh, verse 26, they sang a hymn. They had the Lord's Supper. They sang a hymn. And that's where we begin our passage today. Verse 27, Mark chapter 14. The Bible says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows thrice, three times, you will deny, or twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. <clears throat> and they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what, answer, what to answer him. And he came the third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking rest? It's enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Last week, as Pastor Steve uh, was, was sharing about what took place there in the upper room, and as these disciples were meeting there, and, and as he uh, 
took the cup and said, this is uh, my blood <laughs> that will be offered, and this is my body that was broken. And we, as we took of communion this morning, the, the remembrance of what took place that night there. And um, he tells them that the sheep, uh, that... Um, that they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and uh, that uh, giving analogy that uh, he is going to be, uh, uh, he's going to die there in just a few moments. And then Peter came to him and um, he said that uh, even though everyone else will, will leave you, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and, um, and the Lord said, Peter, Simon, uh, The, the rooster is going to crow uh, three times after you deny me. No, that will not happen, Lord. That will not happen. Lord, there's no way that would happen, that the rooster will quote twice when you deny me three times. No, that cannot happen because I love you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you even though everyone else will. And then it says, then all the disciples say, uh, that's that with us. We are going to follow you. And it's kind of like in that moment, they all got together and said, no way, Lord, and let's take a selfie here. We're your followers. Boom, and we're going to, and we're going to post that around. We are going to follow you. And then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Gethsemane is a garden, uh, uh, an olive garden, even to this day, um, and Gethsemane means to crush, and they would take the olives there, and they would take the press and, and, and crush the olives so that the oil would come out. Very symbolic because Jesus in just a few moments is going to be crushed, and uh, he, he, he is going to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins there. And there that time, and he goes and he prays and, and took Peter, James, and John, and he's praying and and. And he's saying, dear Lord, I know this is the moment that has come, but if you allow some other way for redemption, but not my will, but yours be done. He comes back to his disciples and they're sleeping. <laughs> Simon, could you not uh, uh, stay awake with me? Well, these guys were exhausted. The whole week had taken place, the excitement, the euphoria of, of that day of riding into Jerusalem and then the events of the uh, Passover and, and then the night uh, of uh, the Last Supper. I mean, just a lot of things happening. And these men were exhausted. But Jesus had asked them to pray with them. And Peter, uh, could you not stay awake with me? He goes and he prays the same thing. Lord, if you'll let this cup from pass from me. Realizing in just a few moments, he's going to be crushed and face death. Comes back the third time in their sleep and says, well, it's time. It's time. When you, when you think about this passage and then next week and in the week after leading up to Easter Sunday as Pastor Steve will be developing this passage of Scripture, uh, looking at why these events took place. Many times I have the privilege of, of sharing the gospel with the, with the Persians, and many of them don't know the events of, of the Old Testament and, and the Bible stories and so forth. And so I begin to, to share with them 
the story. And so let's take a moment from here. Let's kind of back up from this passage and, and look at the, the whole picture here and come back to this night. So when I meet with the people that have never heard the story of Jesus and the events that are taking place, we go back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, where the Bible says, In the beginning, God. The eternal God that existed before time was created, the eternal God that in eternity past had this whole plan of redemption planned for you and me, the eternal God in the beginning. And then God begins to create and unfold his plan of redemption. He creates the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars and, and, and the land and the sea and the animals. And, and he goes through creation and creates everything. And then God creates man in his image. He creates the first man and then from, from the dust of the earth and then from Adam, uh, he, he takes and creates Eve from Adam. And the first couple in human history, God creates them and has communion and fellowship with them day after day. And, and he encourages them and walks with them and talks with them. And he tells them, he tells Adam, Adam, of all the trees in the Garden of Eden, you can eat of all of the fruit of the, fruit of the trees, but there is one tree that you cannot eat of. And in the moment that you eat of, you will surely die. Adam, it's a garden. But Satan came in after having been, been expelled from heaven, and we don't know the, the time frame from that, but uh, Satan came in in the form of a servant and came to Eve and said, Eve, can you eat of the fruits? And she said, I can eat of all the fruits of the, the trees except this one tree. It says, but did real God say, and he calls down in her mind, did God say that? You won't surely die, Eve, because in the moment that you will be like God's, and Eve, <laughs> you won't die. And there Satan tempted her in that moment. Eve and Adam, they ate of the fruit, and immediately their innocence, they, were they knew that they were naked, and they tried to cover themselves with, with fig leaves and, and uh, to, to find a way of covering for their own self and, and their own works. And, and they knew that they had disobeyed and rebelled against God. And they were also afraid because they knew that, that God had told them, in the moment that you would eat, you will surely die. You will die. And God... In his great grace and mercy, allowed them to live. But something had to die. God took away their, uh, their fig leaves and he gave them skins of an animal to cover them. Something had to die in their place. And in that moment, a substitutional sacrifice took place in the Garden of Eden, and God extended his grace and his mercy to Adam and Eve there. And then in Genesis 3, 15, God gave a promise that one day a Satan conqueror would come, and, and that serpent will, will uh, touch and, 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 and uh, uh, spike the heel of that Satan conqueror, but then he will crush his head. And he gave that promise in Genesis 3.15 that one day 
There will be redemption. And someone will come for the remission of sins. He expelled them from the Garden of Eden. The wickedness of men. God brought judgment there with Noah. And the whole world was destroyed. When Noah left the ark, the first thing he did, he offered a sacrifice. An innocent animal had to die. He offered a sacrifice to God. Several years later, we see from Genesis 12 on the story of Abraham. God told Abraham, Abraham, all of, this, all of the, the world will be blessed through your offspring there. And God gave a promise uh, through him. And, and Isaac was that promised uh, son there in his old age. And um, when Isaac was a young man, God told Abraham, Abraham, I want to take your, take your son, your, your only son, and take him to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice there. Abraham took Isaac, he took the wood, he took the fire, they loaded up their animals, they traveled, the Bible said, and when they reached Mount Moriah, uh, they unloaded their animals and they were walking up to the place. He said, stay back here, the boy and I will return. <laughs> He went up there and Isaac says, Dad, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And there in prophetic announcement, he said, God himself will provide a sacrifice. God himself will provide a sacrifice. They went up there, he tied Isaac up, he put him on the altar there, and in the moment that he was to, to offer his son as a sacrifice, the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, don't do no harm to the boy there. And Abraham looked up, and there in bushes was a ram caught, and they offered that ram as a substitutional sacrifice, and he gave his life for Isaac. And there, with that, with that knowledge there, that one day God himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. The children of Israel, as they grew, they, they went and they lived in Egypt. And we know the story of Joseph, and they're in Egypt for uh, many, many years. And, and God hears their cry from deliverance and calls a man called Moses uh, to come and deliver him. And as Moses is talking to Pharaoh and after the nine plagues take place to show that there is only one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, God gave that last plague that the firstborn of every family was to die. And God gave instructions to Moses that on this night you are to offer a substitutional sacrifice to kill a lamb and you are to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the post of the door. And when the judgment angel goes across all of Egypt, everyone from Pharaoh's house to the nation of Israel, if there's not blood on the door, judgment will come. But if I see the blood, and we sing the hymn, if I see the blood, I will pass over you. And God gave mercy and grace to those families who had bl those blood on the doors, but that took place because of a substitutional sacrifice there. And that night, the nation of Israel left Egypt. To this day, the Jewish people, they celebrate Passover. And those of us who are believers, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, realizing what Jesus did for us on the cross as a way of remembrance and also in celebration 
of the Lord's second coming there. They left Egypt, and as they were ready to go in the promised land, God gave them in the book of Leviticus instructions on uh, having having, um, animal sacrifices there. And they were to take a lamb without blemish, and they were to offer that year after year after the year. And there with the tabernacle in the wilderness there, they were to, every family was to take a lamb there. And, and as they placed their hands, the family on the, on the head of the lamb there, it was a symbol of, trans, uh, 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 of transpassing the, their sin onto this innocent lamb that was then offered as a sacrifice for their sins for each year. And once a year, the great high priest, the chief priest, would take blood and he would go in a place called the Holy of Holies and he would offer that before God for the forgiveness of sins for the nation of Israel year after year after year with the promise that one day Messiah would come and he would offer a sacrifice forever for the redemption of sin forever But for year after year, they gave those sacrifices in waiting in hope of that. So year after year, the prophets, they they penned their words of the coming Messiah, that one day Messiah would come, and uh, he would come and forgive them of their sins. And and the prophet Isaiah in in chapter 53 talks about the events that we'll be studying in the next few weeks. And, And the prophet, year after year, would talk about Messiah coming. And then there were 400 years of silence. And then the announcement of the angels one day before the shepherds, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there the birth of Jesus Christ, finally Messiah was born and, and come. And, and the Magi from the east, they came. And when they reached Jesus as a little child, they bowed down and worshipped him. Where is he? There is born King of the Jews. And they worshipped him, and and their Messiah had come. Jesus was born there, and everyone was so excited for the fulfillment of prophecy there. Jesus lived 30 years, sinless life. When he was 30 years old, he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And when Jesus, after the temptation, he comes back to the River Jordan and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world there. That announcement that this is the one that will be Messiah. And Jesus, through his miracles uh, to the unbelieving Jews, was to show that he is God. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And then we come to Passover week that we've been studying the last several weeks. He comes into Jerusalem. Everyone thinks that he's going to be a political messiah to save them from the Roman uh, oppression there. And, but Jesus begins to talk about different things, not about setting up a cabinet, not about setting up his political um, uh, uh, agenda, what he's going to do, but he's talking about broken body, shedding his blood. This temple here, we're going to tear it down and in three days raise it up again. And they they weren't really sure what he was talking about. And there during Passover, they meet in the upper room. And last week, as Pastor Steve shared with us, where he took the cup and he took the bread 
And he told them about the day in just a few hours that it's going to take place. And that's where we come to our text today. Jesus is a few moments from death. As we sit in a hospital room or as we sit in a funeral home, with, with all the emotions that take place when a loved one dies or is about to die, Jesus himself, he leaves the upper room. He comes back and he tells his disciple that everyone's going to be scattered. They're all going to abandon him. They deny that and he goes in the Garden of Eden. I mean the Garden of Gethsemane. And there, with all the emotions, knowing just in a moment... He's going to fulfill that promise back in Genesis 3. He is that sacrificial lamb. He is that one that will save us from our sins. We have all sinned. We are all short of God's glory. We all deserve the judgment of God's uh, pronouncement of sin, and that is death. And here in this moment, Jesus is about ready to go. In just a moment, starting next week, in the next two weeks, Judas is going to come, betray him that night, and the, that whole uh, set of judgments that take place there in Jerusalem that night, where he is beaten beyond what we could imagine. He was cursed, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was broken. And then they put him on a Roman cross, raised it up, and after a few hours on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he died. He fulfilled the righteousness of God. They buried him. He was in the grave three days. He rose up from the grave. And today he's making, he, he was ascending to heaven and now he's, Make an intercession for us. He's praying for you and me. But in that night, he was there facing death, the anguish of his soul. The Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews that from the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despite the shame. <laughs> and he did that for you and me. I sat down with a, a Persian man one day and uh, he looked at me. He had never heard this beautiful story of redemption. He said, John, can you tell me about Jesus? <laughs> can you tell me about Jesus? And because he didn't know anything about that, I took him through the whole narrative that I just shared with you this morning. And when he came to the place where in our text today, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then the moments after that, tears rolled down his eyes. He said, John, that's what I want. And he bowed his head and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. I was five years old, or six years old, when I was saved. It was one night after church, after service here at Central, that my mom opened up the word of God and I bowed my head and trusted Christ as my savior. 
Since then, I've traveled around the world, shared the gospel, preached the word of God, and now I'm back here this morning, back home. And it could be that you're here this morning and you've never been saved. You've thought, I'm, I'm trying to be good, go to church, I give my tithe. Maybe God will think that that's good enough for me. You know, and the Bible says, we fall short. It's not good enough. But it's because of that sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. He died in your place and died in my place that allows us to be saved. And when we place our faith and trust in him, our sins can be forgiven and we can have eternal life. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can pray in your heart, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And there is nothing I can do to be saved, but I trust you. And thank you so much for dying in my place. Would you please come into my life, forgive me my sins, and come into my life. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And if you have prayed to trust Jesus Christ, if you have said that to pray and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, when we're dismissed here in just a moment, if you would come and tell Pastor Steve, he would be the first to be excited for you. And then the rest of us will be really happy that, for that decision that you would make, that trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, one day we're all going to face death. We're all going to be in that hospital room. We're all going to be there at the funeral home. And it brings a lot of anguish. But Jesus went forward knowing that his sacrifice would bring redemption for you and for me. And if you've never been saved, please let me encourage you to do that today. Let's pray this morning. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you did on the cross. And that night, those few moments before you stepped out and Judas betrayed him and then the whole events that took place, that, as we'll study next week, that took place, you did that because you loved us. You knew that we were sinners and in the midst of that, you died for us. And Lord, if there's somebody here in our family, in our church family, somebody that's visiting this morning, some boy or girl, somebody here that has never placed their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today, before we're dismissed, before they leave this room, that today that they'll give their lives to you and they'll trust you as Lord and Savior. And Lord Jesus, we just want to say we love you and thank you for loving us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.